gang of killers. I tell them I was never a fan of Ayn Rand, but the old hypocrite got that one right. And if there was a moral or lesson in Caitlin's death, I'm too thick to see it. If you want to make sense of this world, don't come to me for answers. I'm fresh out. I stand on the high bluff over the river most every day, trying and failing to piece my life back together as winter changes to spring and my father's murder trial approaches. Dad's being held in protective custody in Louisiana by the FBI. He wasn't allowed to cross into Mississippi to attend Caitlin's funeral. I'm told he beat his arthritic hands against the bars of his cell when he got word that Sheriff Billy Byrd would jail him in Natchez if he crossed the river. Beat them until he broke some bones in his right wrist. I don't know for sure. I haven't spoken to him since Caitlin died. Forrest Knox is buried on family land, the former Valhalla hunting camp. Last week, I parked my car on the shoulder of Highway 61 and hiked in alone, my pistol in my right hand, and searched among deep tire ruts and FBI evidence markers until I found the gravestone. Forrest's marker bore a chiseled Confederate battle flag, which was a desecration of that banner, and also the words unflagging devotion. I stood there a while, sick deep in my guts, only then realizing that I'd been hoping to cross paths with Forrest's uncle, Snake. After a while, I kicked over the stone dropped to my knees and used the butt of my gun to smash the chiseled flag as best I could. All I managed to do was chip a few stars off it. Heaving for breath, I got to my feet and fired five bullets against the granite slab, which did the job. Then I pissed on the grave, a good long piss that steamed in the cold and muddied the earth, and walked back out to the highway. Yeah, well, if you don't want the whole truth, stop reading now. If you go on, don't say I didn't warn you. Chapter One For the past few weeks, I've been writing as a strategy for staying sane. Strange to admit, but there it is. Since Caitlin's death, I've been having trouble with some of the basic principles of existence, like time, chronology. To be frank, I don't have it in me to describe the events that constitute the immediate fallout of her death, or of my father's arrest for murder. You should probably read a couple of articles from the Natchez Examiner, Caitlin's old newspaper. Caitlin's older sister, Miriam, a corporate financial officer from New York has been running the paper since Caitlin died, and she has vowed to stay on until the last of the Knoxes has been jailed and the double eagles smashed for all time. I'm not sure Miriam Masters realizes how long that could be. The two articles below were written by Keisha Harvin, a 25-year-old black reporter from Alabama who's been hounding the double eagles like a fury incarnate. Caitlin hired Keisha from another master's paper only two days before she was killed. Fittingly, for the past eight weeks, 
Keisha has been living across the street from Annie and me, in Caitlin's old house. I don't think she sleeps much, nor does she pull any punches, no matter who she's writing about. My father has suffered in her stories, as he should. And through Keisha's writing, the Knox family has become a national symbol of the most atavistic and depraved instincts in the American character. More than once, I've tried to persuade Keisha to pull back a little and think about her safety. But like Caitlin, she believes that her work means more than her life. I'm not sure a 25-year-old is qualified to make that decision. But I do know this. Where good people stand against evil, sooner or later fate demands a reckoning. When that day comes, I hope I'm close enough to Keisha Harvin to do some good.